We are now recording. Brad, you can start whenever you're ready. Hi, everyone. This is Brad Thomas with The Ground Up, and uh, we're back again with another roundtable interview. Uh, today, I'm joined with Jay Hatfield. Jay is the CEO and portfolio manager with two, uh, two companies we're going to be talking about later in this interview, uh, PFFR, which of course is the ticker symbol, and PFFA. So Jay, it's good to see you again. Brad, thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. Great. Well, uh, let's jump into preferreds. I mean, uh, obviously, a lot of our, our uh, uh, viewers and subscribers are really interested in preferreds. Um, some of the, some of those may not be as familiar with the preferred as, as far as the uh, as part of the capital stack. Uh, can you explain at a at a high level uh, why uh, preferreds are really an important part of an asset allocation uh, strategy? Okay. Well, actually, as you know, Brad, it's really our favorite asset class, and the, the reason for that is that um, it's a great way to get stable income from securities that are listed. So I used to be a big credit trader for a large hedge fund and you can buy bonds, but they're not listed. So you have to trade with the street. They trade a buck wide, you sell one bond, it comes down $5. These are all liquid listed securities. So that's very attractive. Um, so you can see them on your, in your account and we can trade them uh, without a lot of costs, without big, big ask spreads. And then the other thing that's that's great about them, unlike high yield bonds, where you get yields better right now, better than high yield bonds, that index is below five, and our funds are yielding six or an eight. But so you not only are the the actual preferreds listed, which is far superior to mini bonds and any other bonds, so they're on mostly on the New York Stock Exchange, but also the issuers are listed, and so these are companies like that you can that you follow. But other companies that you know, like Ford, AT&T, all the big financials. So these are companies that care about their credit. You can monitor the credit because they're listed, and then for that reason, they want to they want to have good credit and they want to be current on their preferreds. And that's why these companies have all almost all continued to pay their com their preferred dividends even when some of them suspended their comments. So really, we think a very attractive asset class that investors should consider adding to their portfolios. Great. By the way, I see it snowing in the background. So uh, yes, that's mid-term. I, so. I miss uh, miss New York. Um, yeah. So let's. I want to ask you about some of these. I've had some subscribers actually ask about some of those more beaten down um, companies, and uh, and actually, I, I made a remark uh, on, a, on one of the chat rooms recently, and I said, hey, you know, if 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 you can't buy the common for the average for the average investor, if you can't buy the if you're not comfortable with the common don't buy the preferreds, but there are outlier cases. And obviously you're a preferred expert. So I wanna ask you about a company like uh, Pennsylvania REIT, uh, ticker symbol is PEI, of course. And we all know companies been out of, in bankruptcy, they just came out of bankruptcy, um, just doesn't, doesn't look very, the future doesn't look bright for the business model overall, but uh, what, what are your thoughts on the preferreds? Well, I think one point I'd make about it to validate what I was saying about preferreds and in particular REIT preferreds. What's great, what a lot of people don't understand about REITs in general is that they're way, I mean, obviously a lot of your subscribers do, but in general, you talk to people just about our preferred fund, for instance, who don't know REITs, is they're not very levered. So when I was an investment banker at Morgan Stanley, we would occasionally have clients that want to do REITs 
because we were in asset-based energy businesses and they'd have REIT faltered. And the bankers would always say, well, no, you can't leverage 60%, it needs to be 40. And so, and that's even been enhanced since that was 25 years ago, because what, what the, everybody wants, the investment bankers, but everybody is a full cycle company. So REITs are unique in that the preferreds are almost secured. In other words, you know, if you look at like another challenge REIT, like a um, EPR, Entertainment Properties Trust, that's one where maybe you don't like the equity, but it was before the pandemic, a, you know, a triple B plus credit. It's only 30% leverage. So it just points out that even probably the worst credit in the whole universe went through a prepack and the preferred still good. It didn't get wiped out because that's normally say, well, you got to sell the bad ones because they'll get wiped out. But here's one that didn't even get wiped out. So I think good thing for your listeners to show that it's just a good, if that can survive, then everything almost can survive. So it came through bankruptcy, so it did not get wiped out like it could have been, which is a prepack. Now they have liquidity. And so now you're just making a bet on the mall re um, recovering and a bit of a levered bet. So you should be kind of super bold up about enclosed malls, I would argue. And there's probably like better risk rewards out there, but it is not gonna get wiped out. They have substantial liquidity. We are very bullish and been, have been correctly bullish, I think, as you know, about these vaccines and how the vaccines were gonna open up the economy and now we're seeing it even today. So we are bullish on that element. And so if that does translate into more mall traffic, uh, which I'm not 100% confident of, then that'll be, those will be money good, but not right now they're not cash pay. And so they're a higher risk way to play the recovery. We think probably there's better things to focus on, but you didn't get wiped out. So that is a vehicle to, to play a recovery. Great. Now, of course, I want to talk about kind of where we are in this cycle today. I'm, I'm actually in the process of writing the 2021 predictions, um, um, which should go out later this week for our, our, our members. Um, but I want to ask you about, you know, back in March and April, I mean, it, you know, it's back, it was back up the truck for preferreds. Um, now, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, uh, a lot more stability uh, in the preferred market. Um, at, a, at, at I guess, again, at a higher level, uh, is it a good time to be buying preferreds today? And then, um, and I know this is a loaded question, but, you know, what percentage is a reasonable level of preferreds to have, you know, in a portfolio? And I know, I know every investor has his or her own risk tolerance, so I know it's going to vary from person to person, but just at a high level, what do you recommend in terms of, you know, preferred uh, ownership today? in the portfolio and then uh, in terms of valuation, how do you see the preferred market? Well, I guess in terms of an overall portfolio, I think five to 10% makes sense. So, you know, like normally, let's say normally for any sector fund like utilities or even equity REITs, you could be five. Well, this is going in a normal market, not a pandemic, but we're not likely to have a pandemic anytime soon. These would be lower volatility, like kind of a half beta or 50% as volatile as the market. You know, during the pandemic, they became, everything goes to one, even mini bonds all went down at the same level. So because it's kind of half of a normal volatility in a normal market, which we're getting to now, like the volatility has dropped, then I think it could be kind of double your normal allocation. If you're 5% utilities, you could be 10 preferreds. Of course, if you're more conservative, you can be five, but that would translate into being potentially 20% of your fixed income portfolio, right? If, your fixed income's half or 40%. And just a really quick aside, 
is that we do think the treasuries have a lot of risk here. They're, uh, as some people say, uh, return-free risk. So we would argue that you should be lightening up on investment grade and more in higher risk preferreds or double B type preferreds or crossovers. And then, so then to get to your second point about are they attractive? This is where active management comes in, sort of yes and no. <clears throat> so we have a portfolio, like our active portfolio, we have 150 issues, 100 issuers. And we kind of love this market now. It's a little bit stalled because we're a, whole, a lot of our issues are trading above par at 26 and we're selling those. And because people haven't fully realized that this vaccine's gonna be, gonna cure the virus probably in the first quarter, at least from a public health perspective, um, then, so there's still kind of a stall. So then we're selling at 26 and buying at 22. So I wouldn't just like put a blanket buy on it for the whole asset class, but it, either buying a managed portfolio like we do or if, if people like to whip out their spreadsheet and calculate yield to call and get their barons out and go through, look through issues. We think there's a, still tremendous opportunities out there. Well, I wanna, let's, let's kind of dive into those. So we've got, uh, we're talking about PFFR and PFFA. Uh, PFFR is obviously the uh, real estate, R standing for real estate. So uh, you can remember that. Uh, right now, just checked uh, before, uh, before we jumped on here, yield is around 6.2% dividend yield. Um, can you talk a little bit about that particular portfolio and, um, and kind of the uh, risk reward there? Right. So that is an index fund. So we have an index provider. It's cap weighted. So you're going to get some of the larger issuers. So you're going to get a lot of Annaly because they're a big issuer. You get a lot of public storage. And so for that reason, you get a little fair amount of investor grade public storage trades like two to 4% yield to call. Um, it's, it's got 50 issuers and about 80 issues. So good diversification, not as diversified as our other ETF. And um, so it's, and, but it is in the sweet spot of what we're recommending investors do right now, which is go after something yielding kind of five, six, seven, not one, two, three. If you look at a diversified index of the preferred stock, um, U.S. preferred stock sector publicly traded. It's about 65% financials, about 20% of the of the issues trade at negative yield to calls. So you could get lose money if they get called, and they most of them are yielding like one to three percent. So if Treasuries trade off, half your portfolio is probably going to go down. The, the part that we own will probably go up, but that part will go down if we're right about the vaccine and virus. So with PFFR is kind of a good. Um, lower risk way to play a recovery. And also the one thing to note, it has a 3% minimum yield to call uh, rule, so smart beta. So every six months we kick out the overvalued securities. So you're not just kind of having like in the big index, you have a lot of inflows and it bids up all the securities too high. We have a rule to get to correct for that. All right, and PFFR, Correct me if I'm wrong, but you've got uh, a, a rule on uh, percentage of uh, mortgage REITs, correct? In, in the yeah, so, so no sector is more than, than 35%. So okay. we cap out every sector because we don't want to take a big bet on retail or on industrial or anything in any, any particular sector. So it is a, a you know structure to be low risk kind of long-term income portfolio and there's no swinging for the fences. Okay. And, and moving up to PFFA, so that's... Uh, I guess a little more active 
business model. Uh, so I guess uh, at least in my mind, A in my brain stands for active. You've got looks like more uh, issuers uh, because you're broader in terms of your composition uh, other than REIT. So can you talk about PFFA? Yeah, so that we have 100 issuers and 150 issues. So because many issuers, of course, have multiple issues. And it's fully diversified by sector. Um, and so what we do is we screen the entire universe of US listed preferred stocks that are liquid. And then, so there's about 400 of those. And then we choose the top 150. And the ones that we've eliminated are those ones yielding kind of one, two, three, because we don't like the interest rate risk. And we also don't like preferreds, notwithstanding PREIT being able to come through bankruptcy. <laughs> generally speaking, that's a little bit lucky. Almost only you would do that with a REIT, with a REIT not with a regular company. So we eliminate like bad credits, like they're drillers and some super risky mandatories. So we don't want this meant to be long-term income portfolio, kind of three quarters of, PFFA is three quarters of my IRA, uh, and it's, which is sort of a lot because I'm getting older. So it's meant for that kind of income. So we don't take anything there. We're, we're, so we don't have any PV, for instance, because it's not cash pay. So we screen for both uh, a decent amount of yield and credit quality. And then what's kind of great about this market is why it's, it's kind of our favorite child is that there's a lot of over, there's both overvalued uh, issues, even REITs that are trading at 26, 26, 50, but there's still a bunch that are trading at 21, 22. So we're able to, to make small sales and small buys every day and optimize that. Whereas we don't do that with PFFR, we only do that every six months. So we're able to kind of, in this mildly inefficient asset class, optimize it every day slowly. And we think that's kind of an ex exciting opportunity. So let me make sure I'm correct, Jay, in terms of, in terms of kind of the risk, risk management, it looks like you've got a little le more leverage on PFFA, but to mitigate that risk, you're more active in the space. Mm -hmm. uh, is that correct? That's correct. And we're a little bit more diversified, like the, the, cap, the um, issuer cap, PFFR is 10. Generally, we target 5%. I mean, sometimes things appreciate and they're a little bit over 5 but so it's a little bit more diversified. We have twice as many issuers, you know, like 70 more issues. And we have some liquid issues that we can rapidly manage the um, leverage if we need to. But you're definitely levered. So it's PFFA is the kind of a bigger bet. We're super bold up about preferred. We like to, we, we see kind of these once every 10 year opportunities to, to buy them below par. So we would, you know, just personally, not for everybody, some people should definitely buy R, but like, we, I don't have any R in my IRA because I want to really make this bet. If you're not, if you're nervous about the vaccine or just, just want to just generally conservative, then R is probably a better bet because you have no leverage. Uh, but we do mitigate, the, the mitigation on the leverage side for PFFA, a little more diversified, more active. <laughs> and so in theory, that, that somewhat offsets the leverage. Right, and just a comparison for the uh, audience here, uh, PFFA is yielding about 8.2%. Again, PFFR yields about 6.2%. And both of these pay monthly dividends. I wanna point that out to the audience as well. So you basically have the, the choice of 8.2% on A uh, and 6.2% on R. And again, both of them pay uh, monthly dividends. Well, Jay, I wanted to uh, thank you for, uh, for your time today and for this education for all of us. Uh, it's great to see you, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll catch back up with you again uh, in early part of uh, 2021. Oh, great. Thanks for having me on again, Brad. I appreciate it. 
and uh, happy holidays. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. Bye-bye.